Welcome to the College and Career Sunday School Podcast for the First Church of the Nazarene in Highland, Indiana. These lessons are geared towards young adults between 18 and 28, but the truth taught can benefit people from every walk of life. This week, we will be studying how to live a holy life by exploring our need for purity of our heart. Many of us, if we have grown up in the church, may have heard about heart purity. Even though we have heard about it, that doesn't mean we actually understand the problem of the sinful human heart and the process that God has to correct it. We will start the series by reading about the fall of man in Genesis 3, 1-24. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat, all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim 
and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. We see that God gave them free run over the most beautiful piece of land we can imagine. There was one tree that they were told to stay away from, and they couldn't stop themselves. They looked at the tree, they looked at its fruit, they walked around the tree, they did everything they could except actually eat from it until the serpent came. It didn't take much to convince them to try the fruit. Most of us know this Bible story, and you may be wondering what it has to do with you. This Bible story not only shows us the first human sin, but also shows us the main problem in every human heart, disobedience. There are actually two parts to the problem. The first is free will, and the second is original sin. Let's look at the first part of the problem now. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Did you see that we, humanity, were created in the image of God? That includes our intelligence, emotion, reasoning ability, communication of complex ideas, creativity, and fellowship with God and other people. Best of all, God gave us free will. As a result of free will, we can think and choose for ourselves. That means we are not pre-programmed to obey the command of God. This is a great gift, but it is a responsibility on our part. We can use our free will to turn against God and to do exactly what he asks us not to do. That is what Adam and Eve chose to do. They chose to use their freedom of choice to do what they wanted instead of what God wanted. It's not that they wanted to disobey God, but that they wanted to please themselves. The choice of their will brought them into direct conflict with the known will of God for their lives. People who study the Bible tell us that the original sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden infected the whole human race with a tendency to do its own thing. They call this tendency original sin. It means that given the choice between doing what I want to do or doing what I know I ought to do, I will choose to do what I want to do. Does that sound familiar? You've been there, haven't you? We all have. That is the point. Every human being who has ever lived has had this problem. The only exception has been Jesus. You may be asking yourself, why is Adam and Eve's sin my problem? Or you may be asking how something they did affects us. Christians smarter than us have struggled with this question, and there are many answers to explain the connection. Here are just six of the explanations. One, Adam and Eve were our representatives. They made a choice for the whole human race, sort of like the president makes a choice for the nation. The result is that everyone has to live with the consequences of the choice of just one person. Two, your seed, as well as the seed of your parents and grandparents, was in Adam and Eve. This means their choice was your choice. You actually had a part in opting for the forbidden fruit. Three, God creates each soul individually and makes each with a depraved nature. If this is true, then it brings up even more questions. Why does God continue to make souls defective? Why doesn't he fix the problem instead of continuing it? Four, Adam and Eve, using their free will, did what every human being would have eventually done if placed in the same circumstances. This is an example of humans wanting to chart their own course. The major problem with this idea is that it does not explain what makes us this way. We want to do our own thing. 
but why? 5. Adam and Eve's failure did not affect the rest of humanity. That would mean, however, that some people could possibly live their entire lives without ever displeasing God. Has it ever happened? No. The only perfect person has been Jesus. 6. Some would argue that humanity always fails because of the bad example set for us down through the ages. This means we do what we see everyone around us doing. This isn't a good explanation either because it denies that the problem is rooted in human nature itself. If we were simply following the example of others, some independent or rebellious thinker somewhere would rock the system. But no one ever does. This much we know. Adam and Eve's failure somehow affected the entire human race. Since our human minds are limited, it may not be possible for us to fully understand all that is involved in this matter. We may have to rely on biblical truths without fully understanding them. We know from the Bible that Adam and Eve chose to sin. We know from experience that we all choose to sin as soon as we are old enough to understand the difference between right and wrong. So in a very real sense, the failure of the first couple is our problem as well. Okay, so we discussed free will and original sin. Let's bring the lesson back to the issue of the need of every human heart for purity. The main theme of Christianity is that God wants to forgive us of our sins and make us right in his sight. The theological term for this is justification. God also wants to change our hearts and lives so we can be pleasing in his sight. This is known as regeneration. But that's not the whole story. Justification and regeneration deal with past acts of sinning. They are actual deeds or attitudes contrary to the will of God. A deeper problem still remains. What made us want to do the wrong thing in the first place? What causes the motivation or will for those deeds or attitudes? This is the real issue. Acts of sinning are only symptoms of a more serious problem. It's like going to the doctor with a stomach ache. The doctor does not simply treat the symptoms of pain in our stomachs. He or she searches for the root problem producing the pain. The same situation applies to our spiritual condition. God does not simply forgive us of our past deeds and attitudes of disobedience. He seeks to deal with the root of the problem that leads us away from him in the first place. Our real need is to have a pure heart. The Bible is full of references both to this problem and our need to have it corrected. Here are just a few examples. Genesis 6-5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah 17-9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Psalm 14-3 says, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. 1 Kings 8.46a says, If they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you are angry with them, and give them to an enemy. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. I know that was a lot of information, so what did we learn today? First, the human heart has a tendency to please itself, even if that pleasure comes in conflict with God's will. 
Second, every one of us has been infected with this problem, whether we realize it or not. Third, the problem is not solved when we are born again. When we get saved, our past sins are forgiven and we are given new life in Jesus, yet we still have a preference for self. And finally, every believer has a need to have this root problem dealt with so that he or she can be all God intended. Next week, we will study God's plan for dealing with this problem in the human heart. Dear Heavenly Father, you are a wonderful and gracious Father. I am continually thankful that you sent your Son to die for my sins, and I know that I don't deserve it. Help each of us turn our hearts and lives over to you so that you can change us into the person you have planned. Help us surrender our thoughts and plans to be aligned with you. Finally, help us keep our hearts pure. Our nature is not purity, but with your help, we can live a life that is pleasing to you. We thank you for all you have done and all you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining our lesson today. If you like what you heard, share it with someone in your life and don't forget to subscribe. Then it will automatically download to your favorite device when a new episode is available. Thank you.